Get ready for Smoke Night Live with Massa Sensei. Boom! Ladies and gentlemen, we are on the air. Uh, it's Friday night. Jordan, I'm back. Back in the studio. You're back! I'm I don't have to do this studio. all myself anymore. <laughs> I'm dying. I took a little uh, little journey down to uh, Florida there. Did some uh, stuff in Tampa. Why were you there? You're there uh, more than you're here. Jeez. Uh, that's the plan. Uh, hopefully that, that uh, I love you. trajectory Dad. continues. <laughs> Uh, I'm your host. Uh, my name's Eric, but you can call me Master Sensei if you really want to. Uh, if you don't, you can just call me Eric. Uh, producer Jordan, uh, right there. It seems like sometimes you're you're totally embracing Master Sensei. Other times you like, why is everybody, why is everybody always calling me Master Sensei? I, it's, it's, it's awkward for me to be referred to as Master Sensei, but... You know, I guess that's what people, for some reason, know me as, just through the app and whatnot. So I got to kind of embrace it, but at the same time, it is—it's a little weird. But yeah, so I'm back. This is episode <laughs> 277 of Smoke Night Live. Got a great show for you tonight. Uh, we got a lively audience. We got a lively audience tonight. Look, look at, at that the, weird guy. Look the, at this. Stands out with a blonde weird. You got Dominic in the psycho audience. Psycho hair. <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> Matt's in the audience. Quinn's in the audience. Of course, our good buddy Scott is always in the audience. Trinidad, so thank you Trinidad. guys for. Uh, <laughs> I called you Trinidad. Trinidad, Trinidad Sorry. Scott, <laughs> Trinidad Scott in the audience. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, no Jordan. Uh, uh, Tampa was cool. Got to see the J.C. Newman factory in near completion. So uh, in case you're unaware, the J.C. Newman factory uh, in the Ebor City. Uh, area of Tampa, uh, it's been there forever, right? So it's the oldest, like, still working factory in in town. But they've been in renovating the country, it. right? Yeah, yeah, in the United States, they've been renovating it, and they have. And by the way, I am smoking the new Perla del Mar uh, from them. This is a new blend. Corojo. Yeah, everything about it's new, and it's really good. A uh, lot. I, th- I would say this is a step up from the existing one. But anyways. Jordan, what, so the idea is, in case you're unfamiliar... I am. They've decided not. to turn the factory into a museum, yet at the same time, it's still a working factory. And on, I think it's, I don't know if it's the second floor, third floor, it doesn't matter, uh, one of the floors, they've basically turned that into like a, what you would imagine if you've ever been to Nicaragua or Honduras or the DR and you've been to any of the factories like we, we have, and I know a lot of you guys in the audience have... That there's this one area that they've turned into that looks exactly like a regular factory uh, that you would see in Nicaragua or whatever. Don't they even have like a old school lector yeah. table for the the reader would they, read to the the rollers? Exactly, as if it was like 19, you know, 40 or something. But it's super nice at the same time. While it looks while it looks you know old and whatnot, it's it's all brand new. Everything is brand new. Uh, so they're processing tobacco in the basement. They have an aging room in the basement where they're where they're putting all the. That's where they they roll the Americans. So they get all the tobacco and they put it in the basement, and then they rehydrate it. They do all of that there at this factory. So it's all the steps 
other than, you know, harvesting the tobacco and stuff like that. They do all the steps uh, for the tobacco and the cigars just right there in this factory, which is really cool. And then the rest of the factory, they have their offices on one side, the J.C. Newman uh, offices on one side. And then they also have these sort of like, you know, things that you would imagine like you'd see at the Natural History Museum, like displays where there's little videos and 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 dioramas, if you will, of of the whole process. And it's really pretty much done now. In fact, if it, mm. if it wasn't for COVID, uh, they would have had the grand opening, I think, last May. Um, now they're kind of just sort of pushing some of that back uh, because you can go to it right now. I believe The only thing I don't know, somebody asked me this on Facebook the other day, is can I just show up and have a tour? I, sh- I, should, get, I should get the answer to that. I'm not really mm. sure if you have to arrange anything or not. I saw some if you're tour- not Master Sensei, yeah, like, can I, you, you know, stroll in? I just showed up, and then, like, the red carpet, you know, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. But, no, but in all seriousness, uh, Eric Newman was there, and I got to talk to Eric. He was just bouncing around uh, doing his thing. And Drew Newman, who is Eric's son, he's, he's actually moving to Florida now, uh, and he's going to be a lot more at the... You know, a lot more available at the factory. So they'll all sort of be there. Super, super cool. Also, uh, when we were there, Jordan, mm. we got to see the one of the new Cigars International stores, which was pretty cool. I watched the, the Tampa They're Bay. They're everywhere nowadays. I watched the Tampa Bay Buccaneer game against the Green Bay Packers there in the heart of the belly, the, the belly of the beast. Stinking Brady. I can't even hate him anymore. And, and the place was packed, right? The place was packed. And the tension... Like, when, when Green Bay started to come back towards the end of the game and, like, it was looking like maybe it might not go their way, like, the tension in that room was just building and building and building. And so then when when uh, sort of Tampa Bay kind of, like, sealed the deal towards the end of the game, dude, it was, it, was, it was insane. Like, the place just went absolutely bananas. But the cool thing was I got to hang out with a bunch of dojo peeps. Uh, uh, the night before that, I hung out with Jolene and Ken. We all went to the Davidoff store. Brad from Tampa was there. And then the, and then the next day, we all watched the game together. Bob was there, uh, Tampa Dojo, or everybody knows Bob. Uh, Donald showed up. Donald, Hall of Fame. D-Train, D-train as he's known. was there. Uh, and Ken was there again. Um, Brad was there again. Uh, got to see a bunch of guys. I, I saw Adam Pruitt. Uh, he was down there at the Davidoff store. So I saw a bunch of dojo peeps, which was really cool getting to hang. I told those guys when I was there, I was like, you know, I almost have more friends here in Tampa than I have <laughs> in in my in my home state here in Colorado. So it was it was a lot of fun. We uh, toured a bunch of quality, oh, the quality, pa- not the, quantity. The Paverstone, Jordan. The Paverstone. I had an image of that. Uh, I you know there is now if you go to Ebor City. And, like, the, the main kind of cigar hangout is King Corona on Ybor City there. And um, the main, the, that, that's sort of like the main, there's a, it's a cool cigar shop. They make a good uh, cafe con leche and all that. But right outside the door, uh, there's now a cigar dojo paver stone. I'm, I'm going to find this. Hold and on. You just talk. The plan is I'm going to make a special dojo-verse badge. And if you can take a picture of yourself kneeling in front of the Cigar Dojo paver stone and tag me, I will give you the special. Don't do it yet because I haven't done it. I haven't created any of this yet. Don't do it yet. But eventually that's the plan. Don't book your flights yet. If you can take a picture of yourself. So there I am. All right. If you see, there I am in front of King Corona. 
in front of the paver stone, which says Cigar Dojo, Never Smoke Alone. If you could take a picture similar to this with yourself in front of the paver stone, no, no photoshopping. You can't photoshop this. It's got to be legit. There's only mild photoshopping in this one. This could be the uh, the the toughest badge to earn, maybe eventually on the dojo verse, because you literally have to go to the location. So, like, I mean, obviously, some guys have an advantage; they live there. But if you're in the area. You got to go see the dojo. Pay. Uh, I'm thinking, Jordan, we should sort of make some sort of tradition where they have to like kiss the stone, you know, like kiss the dojo stone. And that's like that kind of gets them involved. So we'll do something. Hashtag fun. kiss the stone. Kiss, kiss the stone. <laughs> we might do that. Um, but that'll, that'll be a, uh, that'll be fun. That'll be something coming up. But it, that was really cool to get to see the paver stone. A lot of people were congratulating me as if like we made like the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Yeah, they just did this for us. We didn't even. And you know. I'd love to say that that's what happened, but in reality, in reality, my wife bought me the paver stone for my birthday. So uh, anybody, <laughs> <laughs> any, but it's still cool. Come on, anybody, literally anybody on earth could get their own paver stone. But don't do it. Don't do we it. We did because it first. So. We did it first. Anyways, that was a ton of fun. I'm glad to be back. Uh, it was a long trip, uh, full a full seven nights uh, hanging out down there. I can't wait to. Uh, How much COVID did you get this time? I only I didn't get any COVID this time, so I stayed away from the COVID this okay. time. Last time I went to Florida, boom, came back COVID. I had it. Uh, did that. Been there, done that. I'm just now getting my smell and taste back, Jordan. I'd say I'm at a good eighty percent. Oh. I'm at a good 80%. Pr- I'm, feeling, I'm feeling like I can actually taste cigars taste these again. bad boys, huh? And bourbon, uh, again, which is great. It's been, Sweet it's been too long. By the way, at the very end of the year with the whole cigar of the year announcement thing, I had to pretty much just lean on Jordan's. Like, Jordan, like, you got to help me out with these last final cigars. Should, we, should they be in the list? Should they not be in the <laughs> list? Like, I can't taste a thing. That's how it pretty much goes anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, that's pretty <laughs> Shut up, Jordan. Anyways, uh, so let's get on to our show. We got a, uh, a guest we've been waiting to have. Uh, have we had him on before? Yeah. Yeah. We've had him on before. It's been a while, though. Um, and he's been through a lot, and there's a lot of big changes, so I can't wait to uh, find out what's been going on with our good friend, Michael Herklotz. Michael, welcome to Smoke Night Live, my friend. What's happening, fellas? Look at him. He's he's ready to roll uh, at the house there, taking time on a Friday night. We can't thank you enough for uh, taking the time to be on uh, Smoke Night Live. And it's been a while, huh, Michael, since we've chatted? It has been way too long, but <laughs> no time like the present, so I'm awfully glad to be with you guys. That's right. Let's get right into this. So, so Michael, big news. Um Coming from the Michael Herklotz camp, uh, it's been a crazy summer. Um, there's been some sad stuff, but there's been some exciting stuff as well. You're starting your your own new brand now. Help me uh, with the, the name. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Is it Ferriotego? Ferriotego, you got it. Boom, Jordan. How often does that happen? Never. Where I pronounce something correctly, almost. Never. Well, it's not. I don't think it's Spanish, so you're. No, you're it's good. yeah, but still, I mean, I you know, I could have in, I could have you know, said the wrong. I could have put the emphasis on the wrong syllable or something like that. Sounds like I nailed it. It's, so it's actually it's it's remarkably easy to say, and it even sounds great when people who speak Spanish say it with a little bit of an accent. So I'm I'm really pumped. I think it's universally uh, adopted in all languages. Yeah, you roll a little bit of the R there, my Yeah, sounds good. Oh my gosh, <laughs> get out of here. So uh, we're going to get into how all of that came to be and, and, 
and where it's going. And I think there's some some really exciting aspects of this that are sort of unique to what you're doing, which doesn't typically happen um, in the sense that uh, it could have been easy for you to just start anew. Well, I'm not saying that would have been easy, but that that's sort of like the typical thing that guys do. Uh, they start anew with a completely new new brands and whatnot. Instead, um, you have gone back and acquired some of the Nat Sherman brands, and that's you know sort of like the, the cornerstone of where you'll be starting. But before we get there, before we get to that part of it, let's just talk a little bit about the the Nat Sherman, uh, how how that all went down. Uh, the, the COVID sort of like was the final nail in the coffin, uh, unfortunately for the the greatest cigar lounge on the face of the earth the townhouse there in new york um at what point along the way michael did you know that um that things were probably not going to you you know that the townhouse wasn't going to make it through the the pandemic um that's a tough that's a tough thing to kind of unpack uh although i i was reminded earlier thinking about um when we spent time in the townhouse together, I remember you guys came and visit, visited, I think pretty early on when I joined. Um, but the uh, um, things were really looking good, to be honest. Um, you know, they were progressing. We had a lot of different parties. Um, we had sort of narrowed it down to our preferred buyer. And then we had uh, other qualified buyers that, that we could have done the deal with as well. Um, if you recall, we started in October of 19. And so things were going great. Um, and then in the early part of 2020, we had some final meetings with the with the um, preferred buyer in Richmond at Altria headquarters, lawyers and paperwork and pads and due diligence. And and uh, and it was ready to go. And I really I can remember that day we were joking. Um, and that sounds terrible. We weren't actually joking, but we were, um, you know, talking about this idea of COVID and a pandemic and, you know, was it kind of overblown and, you know, we're going to get through it. And, uh, and we all went back to do our sort of final homework and man, we got back on a call two weeks later to button things up and everyone pumped the brakes. Mm. Um, and I really, you know, I don't blame anybody. That was February or March, I guess. I don't blame anyone because any qualified buyer of course has their own business that in this in a state of a pandemic, you have to triage your own business. So, you know, the idea of just surviving as a company is hard enough. I think the then the idea of acquiring and bolting on another company with more people and more overhead and more, you know, stuff, I think probably was just too big um, a task to take on at that time. But even then, that was February, March, we went back to the drawing board and, and went back to other parties and other buyers and kind of thought about the deal differently to see how we could do it. Um, but really as time went on, it just, it, it became more and more challenging. We reopened the store in, I want to say, uh, May and, uh, we were doing curbside, um, doing the best we could do. And everyone was really very, very optimistic. Um, but getting into the end of June, even some of those, um, other qualified buyers, you know, they started 
scrutinizing the deal differently and really, you know, trying to figure out long term, especially in pandemic, especially adding the New York City element, you know, is it really viable? Um, what makes me feel good is that we we turned over every possible rock and stone. Um, we didn't give up until we were confident that there was no way to do a viable transaction and meet the criteria that we had sort of held ourselves accountable to the whole time. And so we ultimately had to make the call in, in July. Now, I would imagine, Michael, like, you know, your typical, any, any business owner uh, that has to shut down, um, that's, a, that's a horrible thing that anybody has to go through. And there's probably lots of rough feelings and whatnot, especially because you feel like all this tough, all this hard work that I've put into, you know, now it's, it's over. But with with you and with the townhouse, uh, there ha there was another aspect, and that other aspect was this historical nature of this place. So it wasn't just the fact that you know this was a uh, you know a pizza restaurant shutting down, which is tragic in and it of itself. But you had this historical landmark of a place that you knew at that point that you were going to have to be the guy to eventually you know, shut the doors. And when you knew that that was going to be the case, you know, what was going through your mind? Were you thinking like, how am I going to, you know, break this to the world? How is this going to go down? There's going to be a lot of people that are heartbroken. And uh, obviously there, there was, but that, that had to be a big burden upon you when you knew it before anybody else knew it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there are very few things that sucked as much as that. Um, but if there was any saving grace, I think it was just the idea that um, it was all beyond our control. It's not like um, our company fell apart because nobody wanted our products. Right. That wasn't the case. It's not like the product wasn't good. It's not like we our company wasn't growing. Everything was going great. In fact, even through COVID, our wholesale business was, was tremendous. Um, and, and so, you know, the having to come to the to the reality that despite all of us trying our best, that to your point, we couldn't do it and we have to shut the lights off. That's a that's a fucking hard message to right. to uh, to to share. Um, but, you know, I mean, credit to everybody on the team uh I think everyone recognized that it was out of our control. These are really uncharted waters. And, uh, you know, it, thankfully, Algier was also very generous in in uh, making sure that everyone had soft landings. So it's not like the rug was going to be pulled out from under us and we had nowhere to go and we were looking for a meal. There's a, there's a window of severance for everybody to be able to land on their feet. Everybody was kept whole throughout the entire pandemic. The store was closed for three months, maybe four months, dark. Um, and everybody was paid in full. Everybody was kept whole. So I also think that there was a tremendous amount of gratitude from, from the part of our team that um, they were carried through pandemic, um, or at least what we thought was through it, and, and then... Uh, um, and then got to the point where ultimately we had to close. Then there was the period of employment through wind down. So folks didn't really go on 
leave their employment until um, I think September 15th was the first round. October 30th was the was the final round. So there was also something I think a bit cathartic about um, the fact that we had enough time. We also knew that it was a possibility since October that it, it could go this way, uh, October of 19. So it's not like um, it's not like somebody dropped dead of a heart attack, and and you have to you have to deal with this this um, death out of the blue. This was this was much more of a kind of a, a prolonged illness that for a while it looked like things were were going to be okay, and and unfortunately it just didn't didn't turn out that way. From the nostalgic legacy side and what it means to New York, um, I had a sense of what that meant. But honestly, where that really came through is in the in the final, you know, call it month and a half. Um, once we announced and then we were winding down, I, you know, not a lot of people came in, um, but more people, I think, than than you would imagine came in. And this was everything was still closed. Uh, we were barely in phase one, phase two in New York. And we had a line out the door every day waiting to buy something. People wanted a tray, matches, just anything to remember it. And the stories that came out in that time about, you know, my father, my grandfather, um, you know, the births and celebrations that, that had occurred with our brand. We had people coming in taking pictures who didn't smoke, uh, who never smoked. Their only connection with it was just that they walked by it Jeez. their entire career. And they just wanted to come in and have a tour before it was gone. So, you know, that that I, I, I didn't I don't think I necessarily even gave enough credit to just how valuable that nostalgia legacy piece was. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm awfully proud of the way we did it. I'm proud of our team. We did it with dignity. And, and um, you know, it was first class service right to the last day. We we were even we were even merchandising the, the, the humidor. Um, and lining up each each cigar the way we always do when we when we barely had any inventory left, just to make sure that that even the experience a customer got on those last couple of days was still Nat Sherman level. Yeah, so, I I think that know, I, 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 I think like the entire you know cigar industry appreciated the the graceful way that you guys you know shut it down uh, the Facebook updates sort of daily as to how. You know, everything was sort of like winding down and you did give it a sort of a really nice uh, heartfelt send off there at the very end. I don't know that I realized just how um, dramatic it was kind of playing out. Um, part of the reason I was doing it was just because, you know, if this were any other year, given the circumstances of, of closing, we would have done something to celebrate. We would have done a party. We would have done events. I would have done a farewell tour. I mean, you know, there, there, there would have been all kinds of ways to properly send this off, but we didn't have the chance to do that. And so many people were calling and emailing and texting, like, you know, can I come in? Can we have a cigar together? Can I have one more visit? Can I, and, and they just couldn't do it. And so I thought, you know, let me at least try and bring as many people along for this as I can um, so that it doesn't feel as sort of lights off um, as it, it might have. Right. All right. So uh, getting into the the new brand uh, to get to that 
conversation. Uh, I want to I'm going to scrape a little bit of a scab here. <laughs> and, um, you know, a couple years ago, there was, uh, you know, a bit of a, uh, a dust up, if you will, uh, with Altria sort of uh, making the the statement that they were uh, sort of, a, you know, they wanted not wanted, but they were okay with... That's kind of the way the guys took it. The Yeah, they, the kind of the way people took it was that they were okay with, you know, c- premium cigars being regulated, but this is how we should regulate them. And that isn't necessarily a a, uh, a wrong position to have. Like, uh, there's nothing wrong with thinking that, hey, like, this is going to happen, so let's have it happen in a way that we like. That didn't go over well with everybody. And so... Um, you handled that very well, and you were in a really tough situation. I think was this like August 2018? I don't remember. Maybe a couple, three years ago. It was. Um, it was exactly August first. Oh, dang. okay. So, <laughs> so somebody's done his research. So you were in a rough, in a rough position there, and I remember. And I think pretty much universally, people were like, "Oh, you know, Michael Herklotz, he's the greatest guy in the world," but you know, we're not happy with Nat Sherman, da da da, da because oh, shops were like. We're not selling this anymore. Yeah, and, and that was maybe unfair uh, fair to you, but my point to getting to the new brand is th- I think that because of all that, this shows to me how much you really care about these brands by Nat Sherman because it would have been easy to just say, okay, I'm going to completely separate myself from all of that that's happened in the past, um, and I'm going to just I'm gonna start my new brand. We're going to have our own lines and... And all of this other sort of stuff, we'll have them made maybe at the same place, but they'll have uh, all new marks and everything else. And we'll completely separate ourselves from Nat Sherman and all of those wounds. But you didn't do that. And to me, to me, that shows how much you believe in the brands that you acquired from Nat Sherman, uh, taking those forward with your, your, new, you know, your new company, at, because obviously you feel strongly about these. You know, I think back to that, that week in particular. <laughs> um, and it was a very frustrating week because the week before, I remember feeling so good that we had been able to get Big Tobacco to change their message. Um, the, the comments that were submitted, despite the fact that the, that the preamble, so to speak, was not in line with the industry from a asking for exemption. If you go on beyond the first page, what we said in our comments was a radical departure from what historically Big Tobacco's position was. And so I remember thinking, this is going to be a game changer for the industry because we finally got Big Tobacco to say what we've been saying all along, which are, which is premium cigars are different and one-size-fits-all regulation does not work. So I was so jazzed. Um, I, I was less jazzed when I saw Cigar Aficionado's editorial that only reported on the first two pages and they refused to report on the rest. Mm. And the, the backlash that ensued uh, um, was obviously uh, aggressive. Right. Um, but I will say that I, I don't, I'm not upset with anyone's reaction because I would have reacted the same way had I only read that article. Mm. Um, 
I would have been emotional and I probably would have done the, the same thing. Fast forward through that process, despite some of the um, uh, assumptions that our business was negatively affected, our, it wasn't. We ended up that year. We, we had just done our rebrand. It was incredible work. And, um, and, and our business in 2018 was tremendous. Um, and so I think people, well, once, once folks sort of dove in and did their own research and learned what actually we said, um, nearly all of our customers who had initially expressed um, disappointment or um, threatened to leave eventually came back on and said, absolutely, we get it, and let's continue to grow the business. So now I fast forward to the announcement when, when we're going to close. The, the work to build this company, I joined in 2011. When I think of what the premium cigar um, space was to Nat Sherman at that time, it was, it was basically um, irrelevant. It was a nostalgic brand, but it wasn't relevant in a meaningful way in brick and mortar stores, in consumers' minds. And so when we started our work first with Timeless, it really revolutionized uh, the Nat Sherman International Premium Cigar Business. And every day it made it relevant. Every day, new cigar smokers discovered our brand without the knowledge of the, the historical baggage. And it just, it, it continued to develop and evolve in a very meaningful way. When we got to 18 and, and we took those hits, the fact that we got over it bigger and better gave me a tremendous amount of confidence and pride that we had built the business the right way. So now fast forward to 2020, having done all of that work, fighting all of those battles, leaving it on the field, day in and day out, to then just have it go away just because it's a, a business decision right. was, was a very hard pill to swallow. But I had also resigned myself to the fact that it is what it is. Um, and so, Eric, my, my plan was to start my own company, start it from scratch, do it lean and mean, Ferry Otago, ground up, you know, let's just try it. But I really was having a hard time dealing with the idea that all of this work was just going to be shelved. And, and, uh, and so I, I talked with my CFO who worked with me, you know, day in and day out, obviously growing the business. But then we also worked day in and day out trying to sell the business and ultimately wind down the business. And, you know, we were kind of spitballing one night, you know, what if? What if we could we could get the brands? Like, what are the chances that they would sell it to us? And by spitballing, you you mean you guys were hammered, right? Like you'd had like several. <laughs> hammered. Oh, oh, yeah. Exhausted, exhausted, and, and completely wrecked. Um, but you know, we we, we kind of left that like it's it's at least I suppose worth asking. Right. And uh, you know, probably not, but let's just ask. And I, man, I have to tell you, it was met with overwhelming enthusiasm. I mean, genuine desire to make this happen. And it goes back to the, the criteria of the transaction. 
one of the three pillars of, of those criteria were finding the best steward to continue on the legacy of the work we did. That was a very important part of the successful transaction. And I think that says a lot about Altria's admiration for our business. Even though it wasn't core to their business, they recognized how special the business was and they didn't want to see the the brands or the company just land in the hands of you know the the highest bidder and then they fire our people they change all the work and and do whatever we want whatever they wanted to do um and so that's part of the reason why the the ultimate transaction didn't occur but when we asked if it was possible to acquire the brands and carry on the legacy it was overwhelming yes let's make it work Let's start putting our heads together. Let's pull in legal. Let's pull in the acquisition team. Let's pull everyone back together. We get the band together, and let's see if we can do it. And and we got it done. So the uh, the brands that you're bringing over, uh, let's go through through what what exactly you'll be taking forward from this point forward. So I think what's really important uh, um, to make sure that we make absolutely clear is Natch. Sherman, as a brand, is a cigarette brand. Uh, it always has been a cigarette brand. Um, it continues to be a cigarette brand under Altria. What we acquired were the brands that Nat Sherman International sold. Um, so that's Timeless and all of its sub-brands. That's Timeless Prestige, Timeless Supreme, Timeless Panamericana, Timeless Sterling. Mm. Then we bought Metropolitan. So Metropolitan is the Connecticut Maduro Habano, as well as Host and Host Maduro. We also bought the Epoca brand or Epoca brand. Oh, you got to have that. That's uh, near and dear to my heart. Yes, sir. (laughs) Um, So we have that brand as well. There were a few other brands that we owned that we really weren't selling in the most recent history, but we're still part of the, the intellectual property inventory, for lack of a better word. So we acquired those. Um, and we also acquired Encora, which we really didn't have the opportunity to build up, but Encora was our accessories brand. So we had re-commercialized our executive ashtrays. We rebranded our candles, all of the non-tobacco items that we historically sold, we, we created, recreated under Encora. Um, and uh, so we got that brand as well. So it's everything really except Nat Sherman. And so, you know, the, the way I kind of look at this now is um, we, are, we are starting up with Ferriotego. So Ferriotego is a startup company, and Ferriotego will be the flagship brand of the company with its own cigars, et cetera. And then the brands that were formerly under the Nat Sherman umbrella will now be under the Ferriotego umbrella. So instead of exclusively for Nat Sherman International, it will be exclusively for Ferriotego. And so what's interesting about that from a timing and branding perspective, so the only thing that'll change here, for example, is that second band. Sorry, that's terrible. I have such a shitty camera. Focus. Focus. (laughs) Focus. Come on, camera. You can do it. Prestige, maybe? Well, it doesn't matter. That band over there. That'll go. That says exclusively, exclusively for Nat Sherman International. Take my word for it. It'll say exclusively <laughs> for Ferriotego moving forward. Well, like, how can you, like, I mean, you that that rebrand that you introduced was so sexy. How could you possibly leave that out there? Well, it's funny. 
you know, in, in hindsight now, we did it so well because now the brands do live on their own. They aren't living on Matt Sherman as the principal brand. Timeless is the principal brand. Metropolitan is the principal brand. And we have two, two and a half years of selling it that way. And so I think people really have adjusted and gotten used to it. So it should be pretty seamless. What's interesting for us, though, is here we are as this startup, um, but we are propping up a portfolio of, of legacy products. What's different now is our timeline goes back to 1994. So Host and Metropolitan Connecticut were launched in 1994 1995. So that's really now our timeline. We don't draw on anymore the legacy of that 1930 timeline, the the Art Deco, New York, Sherman, uh, Garmento stories. Um, that's That's really now for the history books. Um, but we still have this amazing legacy of, of 25 years of, of history and, and 25 years of, of um, fan base and loyal consumers. So how we now balance um, propping up and celebrating that history and legacy under now this, this new umbrella of Ferriotego is going to be a, a bit of a challenge. I was talking to someone earlier today and they said, you know, it's, starting your own brand and starting your own company, like that's a, that's a big leap and buying a, a, a portfolio and trying to prop that up, you know, that's a big task. Are you sure you want to do both? I'm like, it's a little fucking late for that. So it's definitely, you know, this is a very unique, it's a very unique circumstance. Um, but I, I'm so jazzed and uh, the support has been, I was hoping it was going to be good. I had a feeling people were going to be excited and enthusiastic, but I, I have to tell you the the real um, the sincerity in people's enthusiasm is really um, overwhelming. Well, I think so, you know part of the, part of the enthusiasm. Uh, so Ferry Otago, right? You said in your press release this is your family motto. Now, most people's family mottos, Jordan, would be something like. I I like to binge watch shows with my daughter. Something like that, right? <laughs> his, Netflix. His awesome. is this this means I strike, I dispose. Whoa. I mean that's that's a hardcore family mind. Now look at this logo, people. This is the this is the most bad, I I envision that guy to be the Black Panther. That's what that looks like to me. He's he's what he's like Hercules <laughs> fighting, fighting a Hydra. Uh, yeah, like from Godzilla. Like I mean the, this is this Trahedra is this has this shows power right off the bat, Michael. This is like this is like a power play. This is like a macho power play. I love it. I'm super excited. So that is again completely impossible to see, but my my uh, family crest on my mm. family ring here in the shield, which is the very small part in the bottom, is that image. All the rest around it is all the heraldric kind of, uh, you know, filigree and stuff. Um, but in the context of that, of, of the full coat of arms, the Ferry Otego is referencing that image. And I've always loved that image. And it is strong. And, uh, you know, I think when I look at my family values, um, my partner's family values, the Sherman's family values that we've built these brands over with for so long. Um, it just, I think it really aligns. It's very personal and it'll be a, it'll be a daily reminder of, of what we're trying to do. Right now, before we, uh, before we have a commercial break and move on to, uh, 
some other topics. I gotta ask, like, when will when will we see the first brand, the first Ferriotego brands, non Nat Sherman brands, and will you still make them at the same factories? What's the plan there? So um, everything is in the works. You know, let me let me do that one thing at a time. For the first iteration of Ferriotego, it will be two styles. Um, both full-bodied, one in the lighter, whiter family of flavors, bread, nut, wood, cream, butter, toast, those types of flavors. Uh, and the second in the richer, bolder, earthier, spicier style. Um, one will be made by Casada, one will be made by Placencia. And those are two mm. of our three existing um, manufacturing partners. We've worked so well together for so long. And, um, you know, over the years, as we've developed new products, as we've maintained our existing portfolio for consistency, there's lots of play. There's lots of experimenting over all the trips. I mean, I was in Dominican every four to six weeks for eight years. I was in Nicaragua four times a year for six years, seven years. So there's always been this, this development and evolution of blends as we're trying to get to the Epica limited edition, the TAA 2020 limited edition, et cetera. There's always um, contenders, and then you you go with what the, the one that you think is right for that project. So the good news is we're not, nothing we're doing is starting from scratch. There's a, There was a lot of things that were already in play, and so we were able to really pick up where we left off and just kind of reassign some of that work um, and start applying it towards Ferriotego. So the plan is... Um, to hopefully have Ferriotego in market by spring, end of spring, and hopefully for um, Metropolitan and Timeless to be ready for summer. Mm. Um, but, you know, there's there are so many things that we are kind of parallel pathing all at once. Um, what we don't want to do is hold one thing up uh, for, for the sake of another. I mean, really what we're trying to do is restore commerce as quickly as we can. Um, so in a perfect world, that's our timeline. But if for whatever reason, not that this would ever happen in, in <laughs> creating premium cigars, that something might get off a timeline, maybe be caught up in a box factory. I mean, that never happens. But if... Sarcasm? If potentially something happened, um, you know, we're not going to hold one thing up over the other. But I think it's fair to say that by holidays, you're going to be able to buy... Mm the full suite um, of both Ferriotego as well as the brands that will be exclusively for Ferriotego. The good Lord willing. All right. Now, there's a couple audience questions. All right, um, let's do those first. One of them was uh, a Metropolitan Suite. Is that going through? And the other one is, now you said the cigarettes are obviously not being carried over, but um, there's also a Metropolitan Pipe Tobacco brand. What's going on with that? Um, great question. So the sweet cap is the host, host and host Maduro. Those are um, in line for production as we speak. So those will all be coming back to market. Um, so there may be one or two sizes that we that we tweak or that we hold back. But certainly like the host Hobart is our single number one selling skew for 25 years. The host Hobart will be the first thing that we place in order for it to make sure that we get those back. Um, so yes, sweet cap is back. 
Um, the Metropolitan Tobacco, which was the pipe tobacco, we did acquire the, the rights to that as well. Mm. Just from a prioritization standpoint, that lives kind of next to um, Epoca. They're both valuable. They're both great. But really, it's important that we lead with the leaders and Timeless and Metropolitan are the leaders. So we're going to make sure that we get our legs under those. We give them a foundation. That's really the focus of 2021. And then I think 2022 is when we can look to uh, um, some of the extended brands and also the adjacent categories like pipe tobacco. All right. Awesome. But we have the right to do it, and we're excited to do it. Okay. Very cool. Hey, when we come back, Jordan, from commercial, we're going to do our weekly top three. And this week's weekly top three will be the top three fashion faux pas. And who could... Who who better? Who better to ask? Uh, And I'm talking about any kind of fashion faux pas that there there could be. I've got a, a couple in my head, but I mean... I mean, mainly this. We're going to lean on on Michael for this one because this, you know, nobody, nobody in the industry. I was trying to think, Jordan. Besides, besides Michael, who are who are some of the other like oh. fashion fashion My gods of the uh, cigar industry? I was thinking Eddie well, Gu- Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Uh, from Davidoff, Eddie. Okay. He's he's good. He's uh, got Kyle. Some, Kyle Gellis has has a good look Nick, to him. Nick Perdomo. Oh, he's always yeah, that's slick. old school, but yes, old you're school. Right. But I love the way I love the way he presents himself. I, Nick Perdomo told me that he dresses that way all the time because his, I think he said his mo- his mother told him that you should always look in public like you would look at church. But then we have him on our show. He's wearing like a wife beater. <laughs> no, he wasn't wearing like, a wife what? beater. He wasn't wearing a wife beater. <laughs> Jordan, come on. I'm gonna, throw, I'm gonna throw Matt Booth in there too. Yeah, he's, oh, he's got it. That's gotta new look. school, but yeah, I can see it. I, I'm. I. You didn't say Juan Cancel. I don't know why not. I mean, <laughs> I, d- I assumed everyone. Knew. Oh right, yeah. I mean, I mean that's low hanging fruit. That's a given, right? That's a given. <laughs> All right, so folks, uh, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. By the way, normally we have Ran- we've lately we've had Randy Griggs come on and read the read just because so he's, much better. He's, that has been hysterical, by the way. He's so much <laughs> he's so much better than me. So we'll, we'll, I promise we'll get Why back to we that. Why didn't we do that? Uh, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's inventory ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. This year, JR Cigar is celebrating their 50th anniversary. That's that's incredible, by Jeez. the way. Um, they will be celebrating all year long with amazing promotions, contests, sweepstakes, and several limited-run projects with some of your favorite manufacturers. Join JR in celebrating 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. Thank you to JR Cigars for continuing to sponsor Smoke Night Live. Was we really that a new read? That is a fairly new read, um, but it, I had Randy read that last week. Huh. Well, yeah, but Randy. I mean, I, I Randy mean, read it with gusto. Now, I, now I'm feeling bad. But before we get so, so Michael, we're gonna do the weekly top three. But before we do, I gotta say, like, I don't know how you do it. Like, is do you have like a photographer that just like follows you He's around kinda. and takes like super <laughs> sexy pictures of you as you're just like literally like walking? I don't have that. Like, like on the way to work, you're just walking to the townhouse and. I, People, people, you know, like they, if you look at my Instagram, I'm almost never on there, mainly because a, I don't look as good as Michael Herklotz, and b, I don't have somebody following me around, take, taking amazing pictures of me. Now, Jordan, 
I'm thinking about having my wife, you know, like on the way to the garage out here. I, <laughs> you know, I put on my sweatpants and, she, and I'm just like, what? Now, Jordan, what? the many faces of Michael Herklotz. The many faces. Uh, we've got some pictures of, of Michael, just in case you guys aren't familiar with with how cool oh with how cool this dude looks, like just on a daily basis. So, like, these are not fashion faux pas, but no. the, these are fashion uh, do's, not don'ts. Fashion so, mopas. More, yeah. more pause. More pause. Uh, <laughs> Jordan, let's go through some of these, and, and I'll try to... You, you've sort of so like, like at first you like stumble across Michael Herklotz Instagram feed and and you're gonna see a lot of classic Herklotz. You know this is just New uh, York City. This is this is this is mostly what you're gonna see. I mean, and then that that suit right there. It's it's so detailed that the camera can't even. It can't, it can't even <laughs> I, handle my eyes. The, I can't even figure it, out. Ugh. It can't handle the. That was a good one. That was seersucker. That is a beautiful <laughs> and, and that's pre that's pre pandemic because there's people and there's no masks. Right, right, right. All right, so let's what's the next one, Jordan? We've got now uh, now new we got COVID Herklots. COVID her look COVID at that. Herklots. He's got the matching one. It's matching. He's got the matching face mask. And there's he's probably wearing like three of them. The socks are like an adjacent color scheme. Beautiful. And he's got the the, the sweet loafers. Are those loafers? <laughs> I don't know what they're called. They're 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 gorgeous. <laughs> then we go to uh, okay. Now we're, we're now. Uh, uh, are you going to come up with a name for these or me? Uh, either way, this this is Dad Herklotz. This is Papa Herklotz. Papa Papa Herklotz. Yes. Look at that. That is a, a incredibly charming awesome picture. Or what? Oh my god. Uh, oh, I mean, come on, get out of town. How old are they now? Seven and five. Seven and five. They're beautiful. All right, what do we got? Oh, oh, we've got this uh, is seafaring herklots. Seafaring herklots or my, beach herklots. Michael, I want <laughs> I want to ask you a little bit about this before we move on to the next one. I see a lot of pictures of, of you hanging out with these chefs. You've got Jeffrey Zarkani, it's Mark Murphy, Scott Conant. Like these are all like the Food Network gods. Like, what's it like hanging out with those cats? It's great, man. They're yeah. good dudes. They're real cigar guys. Um, you know, it's chefs are. I, I relate a lot to chefs, obviously, because they have creative minds. I'm a drummer. I have a creative mind. You know, I've applied my creative mind to another career, but, but there is this shared kind of, um, it's that, it's that balance between business and, and having to be thoughtful, which I think is generally learned because what's natural to all of us is just the, the total, you know, bohemian creative, uh, just, you know, all, all you want to do is create art. And how you make money at it, you know, that's got to be someone else's problem, right? Um, so they're, you know, they all they all are so passionate, and because they're chefs, they're they're passionate about taste and flavor and and complexity. But what's great about real chefs is is they also, you know, they like beer, they like a good burger, Re know, regular um, guys, the regular guys, regular guys. And, and when you find the chefs that really have affection and respect for premium cigars, they also have the humility to want to learn. And for me, that's what is so great about my friendships in the chef world um, is I, I pull so much inspiration out of them, how they run their businesses, how they create dishes, how they you know, uh, compose a, a, a plate. All of those things, service, hot food, hot, cold food, cold. Um, and so much of that can be applied to our business. 
Uh, and I think, you know, in maybe not to the same degree necessarily, but I think I think they find commonality and familiarity, but they also find a hobby that they can learn. You know, they're already the experts in so many fields that that to have a hobby that they can kind of dive in on and explore and try things out and ask questions. Um, it's it's really a they've been great great friendships. In fact. In lockdown, one of my first like Zoom buddy hangs was with that exact crew. Um, we all jumped on a Zoom and we all smoked cigars and uh, we're like, you know, how long can this last? <laughs> we were actually we were in a text group and we were talking last week like we should probably do another one of these at this point because you know we're all still locked home and we haven't seen each other, so <laughs> it might be time for a redo. Out of out of so those out of those time. guys, who's who's the one that's most likely to just you know? Really tie one on and just get really wild and wacky. <laughs> wild and wacky. Me. <laughs> That's a good no, answer. Um, uh, Jeffrey's a real cigar guy, um, and you know he'll he'll tie one. It depends if he's filming or not. <laughs> if, if, that's the problem. If these guys are filming early the next day, um, you know they they're not blowing the doors off. Chef Mark. He's a rock and roll time. <laughs> Jeff Scott really doesn't drink that much anymore, um, but he's a great cigar guy. Maybe Scott, who's the guy in the pink bow tie, um, he's uh, he's a business manager for Zakarian, and uh, he can go he can go. He looks like a, he could party a little bit. Yeah, he's got the he's got the camel that was shorts. This, that was his place actually that we were at. All right, Jordan. Let's right. move on to the next uh, the next version of the many faces of. Oh, the, this is the classic. This Herklots. is Wall Street Herklots, or AKA '80s businessman Herklots. Oh, yeah. Look at he's got the he, he's got the sweet glasses on. I had the same kind of the glasses suspenders. in Tampa. Who can pull off the suspenders? But I didn't. Look, I didn't look nearly that good with those glasses on. Amazing. All right, what's next, Jordan? Okay, this is the other side of Herklots. This is rugged Herklots. Rugged. I feel like, you know, you mostly you're going to get NYC Herklots or you're going to get rugged Herklots. I was thinking this was L.L. Bean Herklots. Okay. Know. That's that's post-COVID Herklots. <laughs> I've been home too long. I'm watching my girls roller skate. In fact, it was my daughter that took that picture. Wow. But yet, you know, good. like he's rugged, but he's still got the scarf. You know, he's pulling in the chic. I could never make a scarf. I, I just can't, I can't make a scarf. scarf. I can't pull it off, man. All right, we got we got. Someone, Chad put Reservoir Herklots. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's amazing, incredible. You got one more, Jordan? Oh, I got a couple more. We All got. Right, let's do we, it. We got Young Herklots. Oh, look at that! Look at that. Baby this oh is also Abercrombie and Fitch. Ba- baby face Herklots. Nice. Baby face. I, I smelled good there. <laughs> yeah, it's got the double earrings going. Dang, bro. There's uh, actually there's one up in the top left too. Oh yeah, you. I have one of those high cartilage ones. Rocking the earrings. Oh yeah. I, that was Rockstar Herklots. Don't forget, I took that suit off and then I went and played gigs at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> there we go. Now this is another very common one you're gonna see on the Instagram feed is denim Herklots. Oh yeah, I I, I called this uh, '80s porn Herklots. Awesome. But I don't know. I could be. <laughs> or Canadian tuxedo Herklots. I mean, come on. Spread Herklots. There's a lot. There's a lot of <laughs> denim going on there, and I love it. <laughs> And then 
Uh, last but not least, we got hip clots. Hip clots. <laughs> Hipster clots. Hipster clots. <laughs> or uh, barista clots. Barista clots. That's good, Jordan. Barista clots. Barista clots. <laughs> yeah, rocking that. It and sounds like a limited edition dojo exclusive. Yes, <laughs> uh, totally. All right, so since we've we've covered all the uh, many faces of uh, many faces. Michael Herklotz, we're going to get into our weekly top three, Jordan. Oh, weekly top three. <laughs> there yeah. We, there we go, folks. It's the weekly top three, and we figured, hey, let's find out, because all of us, you know, most people in the dojo-verse and the dojo, we don't, we, you know, we're fashion morons. I mean, we, we're... Well, I put on this uh, cardigan just for Michael. I could tell you put on, like, a button-up shirt We're We're literally stumbling through the fashion, you know, we're, we're doing the best we can, Michael. So what we would like to get from you is the top three fashion faux pas, so that we can... Avoid them and uh, you know really impress our wives and st- and stuff like that. So so in your opinion, uh, the top three. So let's start with let's start with number three and work our way down to to number one. What would you say the third worst fashion faux pas is for a a gentleman? Uh, probably a white t-shirt under a button down. Mm. I'm just kidding. You're wearing it. <laughs> Wait balls. a minute. Wait, hold on. Let me, hold on. Let me, let me button up. Uh, I had no idea that was going to happen. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Okay. Um, you gave me a heads up on this, which I appreciated. And, and uh, so I, I think the best way to do this is kind of applying it to um, a more formal, formal-ish dress. Because I feel okay. like that's where we make the most mistakes. All right. I mean, let's face it. A denim on denim ensemble and a man spread could approach folk. So, <laughs> but you pulled it off, darn it. <laughs> what we're talking about is, you know, when it matters, mm. where are the faux pas? Um, so, number three for me is not so much this idea, like you can't wear white after Labor Day. Mm. Um, I don't see those rules applying. But what I do think is a major error is not getting the weight of the material right for the season so people who wear they have a jacket but it happens to be linen and then you wear that in the winter that's a major faux pas or the opposite you've got a jacket like this one that's a that's a heavier more textured fabric and then you wear that in the spring or summer Mm. that's you, you need to get the the weight and the material right for the season Color is actually totally cool. So even if this jacket were white, as long as it's a, a heavier material and a more textured fabric, then rock and roll all winter long. This already uh, has this already has changed my life, Jordan. This it's already changed my life. But the other thing is you can't mix. <laughs> mm. So totally cool to like break up suits and wear a jacket as a blazer and wear pants, uh, suit pants as trousers. Um, but what you should not do is take like a heavy navy pant from your navy suit and wear that with your light linen jacket. That's apples and bowling balls. So this is all like this is very texture based right here. So you have to match weight and texture to season. Hmm. All right. So I, I guess board my board shorts are in the winter are out. This is much more technical. I was just going to say, like, Crocs. Like, don't wear those. Don't wear Crocs. You know? Bro, I wear Crocs. I have three pair. Wow. Okay. But you could pull it off, probably. All right. So what do do you think number two is? We're getting down to the the nitty-gritty. 
Um, I believe in pocket squares. Okay. I do believe in ties, but they shouldn't match. So if you go to the store and you buy the tie pocket square set, please do not wear them together. Oh, see, this is like buying the, the, the shirt of the band that you're at the show. You don't wear that shirt at the show. At the concert. No. That's you, a good point. you buy that shirt and you take it home. You wear it some other time. You don't wear it at you, the show. You wear it at a different band's concert. Right. Is you that never right? wear it, the band's shirt to the show that you're going to. See, now we're starting to I'll, apply. I'm actually write that down. We're now we're, we're starting to apply Michael's rules to Joe's six I'm, pack. I'm, yeah, I'm trying to relate this a little <laughs> bit. I like, it. <laughs> I like it. The other thing I would say, sort of in the same vein, um, but slightly different, the idea of happy socks. The statement socks, Ooh. the ones with the martini glasses right. and the cigars and the booze bottles, don't. Michael, really? I'm just glad when I have matching socks. <laughs> I mean, honestly. It's... So you just go with, a, you just pick like a straight up uh, colored sock. You don't, there's no Santa Claus on there or anything like that. I think I wear this color oh, yeah. almost every day. It's got the, it's, a, it's like Petty Blue. It's like Richard Petty Blue right yeah, there. It goes with everything. Yeah, it can't go wrong. All right, so what is the number one, ladies and gentlemen, fashion faux pas according to Michael Herklotz? This one is this one is serious business. Okay, <laughs> we can't jack around here, guys. When you buy a jacket, a suit, um, an overcoat, there are things that are on the jacket that are not intended to be there when you wear it. So. The, the label on the sleeve <laughs> may say L.L. Bean or London Fog or Polo Ralph Lauren. It's not supposed to Costco be Costco for me. Please, please take it off. Oh. Uh, the, sometimes there's white stitching in places. The most common is on the back of the vent. So if you have a single vent or a double vent, you have the, the little square with the little X that's holding it together. Detach any white stitching. Any stitching that you see that's white doesn't look like it belongs there. Take it off before you wear your garment. I can never figure that out. Like, I didn't, the, your pockets are always sewn together. I'm like, am I supposed to rip this off? There's or no like... such thing as a fake pocket. That idea that, oh, this, this jacket doesn't have pockets, it does have pockets. It's just stitched up. So when it's hanging in the store, mm. nobody, you know, puts their gum wrapper in the pocket. So you bring so, that home and you just rip those bad, everything up. Yeah, I wouldn't shred them necessarily with your hands, <laughs> but maybe find like uh, you know a little pocket knife, a seam ripper. But yes, open your pockets, open the vents, take the label off the sleeve, and you're good to go. Now I have a I have a question oh. for you, Michael, a fashion question, because you know I have young daughters; they're in their teens, and you know they have ideas on fashion for me all the time. They're always trying to give me advice, and there's one that I just I can't. I can't do it. I, I, I guess maybe, I don't know if I'm too old, but I would love to get your opinion on this. They always tell me, Dad, you need to, to roll up the bottom of your pants to make them like... Short pants. Short pants. Short pants are in, baby. I, 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 I get it. They're in. But, but, Michael, I don't remember seeing pictures of you with short pants, and I'm hoping. And well, I'm you get them tailored that way. You get I'm praying short. that you will be on my side on this, that, that short pants just look goofy. No. Okay, I actually had this on my list, uh, but I had to whittle it down to three. <laughs> length, too much length really looks sloppy. Right. So okay. if, you have, if you have tons of fabric bunched up on the bottom of your pants, 
Um, it's just it's not a good look. They're the wrong size pants. You've purchased the wrong size. Um, but pants that don't fit, if they look short, Pee Wee Herman-ish, you know, <laughs> then that's also a problem. So, but for me, my rule is I, I just like my pants to hit my shoe. Hmm. And standing so up? Just kiss. Standing up. Just a little kiss. So if I'm wearing jeans or khakis or whatever, and, and they're bunching up because they're too long, then I will cuff them because I'd rather them be a little shorter um, and mm. kind of rolled than just baggy and... Uh, so the girls were onto something there. They're, they're onto it, Jordan, but in, in my... I think there's certain pants that my, you can roll up and certain ones that... In my defense, I'm talking goofy. about like your, part of your, your leg... But it also depends on the pant. through. Because you cannot do that on full leg size dad jeans. Then you're then you look like you're like you're, you know, heading out into the river fishing. <laughs> Plus, right? I also That's, it also has to do, Michael, too, probably with your age, right? Like when when you're like fifty five and you got a little bit of a dad belly and you're walking around with pants <laughs> that are rolled up. Oh, no, I would not. I wouldn't add dad belly and dad bod to uh, the cuff of your pants because there are all there are so many different fits and sizes and 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 styles that you can find jeans that will fit you the right way in the right places. But the the key to that role generally is a more tapered leg, not like full on skinny jean. You know, spandex. That's a little. <laughs> that's a bit of a stretch. Bro, are you a skinny jean guy, Jordan? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, in 2005, you should have seen these bad boys. Like, but that's time and place, man. You know, we've, all, we've all made decisions in our lives that we can, that we can uh, evolve from. But So the, the, the role really only works on a more tapered pant, too. Right, right. So if you've got full-on Levi's 501 full-legged jeans, you might be better off leaving them or now, just buying a shorter instant. Uh, Michael, we've we've been having a bit of a debate in the studio in the last couple of weeks, and uh, Quinn loads. He he asks ask Michael skinny tie, normal tie, uh, also your preferred knot, and I'm gonna add on there fat tie. What's the what's what's hip right now? What kind of tie width are we talking? Okay, here's the greatest rule of thumb that I learned from um, fashion guy. I realized. Half your audience doesn't give a shit about this. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna come across as a pompous asshole, and this was not, this was not the intention of coming on this show, Eric. And now you're setting me up. We want to know. Across as a We're trying to learn. Asshole. But it is what it is. Okay. So the the most important rule for tie is proportion to lapel and collar. So with a jacket like this. Right, it's a pretty regular lapel size. You have plenty of, of room to play with tie width, but you would not wear a skinny tie, a quote unquote skinny tie, one inch, one and a half inch wide tie with a three inch lapel. But a standard tie is usually three inches or three and a quarter inches wide. So you're safest in that sort of standard tie width, standard lapel width, um, and standard collar. The problem is there are so many choices now that you follow one trend and, and you see, okay, suits with thin lapels are in, I'm going to grab that. But you still have the same ties. Mm. So then you have three and a quarter inch ties 
with one inch lapels and if it's just like cigars or food or anything else when you know too much then <laughs> things look off and if you don't know what you're looking for then you look great i so, think no that's a good you know rule what? of thumb you you gave us a good rule of thumb like to uh, yeah. proportion it to your Now, does lapel. that apply to the knot as well? Or are you just like a full Windsor guy? So knot also applies to, it, it depends what the what the tie can do. You can't take <laughs> a one-inch skinny tie and do a double Windsor. It just doesn't work. Can't happen. So you have to do, again, the knot has to be proportionate to the tie width, which is then proportionate to your lapel width, which is then proportionate to your collar strap. Oh, this is amazing. But now, if you're at a special show, you go skinny tie, no matter what. Skinny tie is great as long as you have skinny <laughs> lapel. All right, Jordan, now we, now and we know. And by the way, you also have to be skinny. Well, that <laughs> rules me so, out right there. I mean, you, you cannot be 350 in a, in a 48 short with a skinny tie. Not a good idea. Not going to happen. All right, Michael. Well, thank you for the <laughs> fashion advice. Hey, uh, on... Thank you for ruining my reputation. <laughs> no, anytime. <laughs> That's no, come on. You've got uh, The Great Smoke coming up. You are going to be the guest host, one of the hosts of The Great Smoke on uh, February 20th of this year. Uh, talk a little bit about that real quick. I'm super excited, man. Um, look, Abe is has always been, as long as I've known him, really a pioneer in this idea of consumer experience. He's done it in his stores. He's done it following um, uh, social media. Um, he's, he's always thinking differently about what he can do. And when he created Great Smoke, that was, you know, I think inspired by Big Smoke, obviously. Um, but creating this multi-vendor event that added commerce and still allowed consumers to interact with manufacturers in a meaningful way and then buy products. Um, so he's always been ahead of the times. I think his Great Smoke was probably the last large-scale premium cigar event we had before full shutdown. And I remember talking to him back then, and he was thinking, you know, I don't know what we're going to do next year. I mean, I can't imagine this is still going to be going on a year from now, but he started planning then for that contingency. And in hindsight, if you think about the only the only negative to the Great Smoke is that you had to be there in person to participate. So a lot of people have not experienced a Great Smoke. So this year, the idea is to really bring the Great Smoke to everybody wherever you are. There'll be a limited in-person live event, socially distanced in a very large space, um, but then delivering all of that eight-hour event virtually. In order to do that, I think it's critical to have you know enough people um, picking up and maintaining momentum so that anytime somebody logs in, uh, there's something happening. You know, they're not just logging in on a break is is an underwhelming experience. So um, I think the plan is is to really finalize this run of show in a way where things are scheduled on and off and that throughout that period there's just constant engagement and constant moderation and interaction with folks whether it's in person or virtual and uh and i'm super excited to do it man i'm really i'm jazzed abe thinks it's going to be great or it's going to be the absolute <laughs> biggest failure in the history of cigar events and 
you know, I want to be a part of that, no matter which way it goes. Oh, I can't. Uh, that's going to be awesome. We got our we got our party uh, kit coming. We're going to have a watch party here, at Dojo Studios, which will be a blast. Uh, Michael, we can't. Uh, we're so excited. We can't wait to see. Uh, what comes next for you and your new brand? And thank you so much for taking the time on a Friday night to be on Smoke Night Live. I appreciate you guys having me on. I always enjoy listening to you. I tend to listen to you when I'm grocery shopping. I have the <laughs> podcast going and uh, and listen throughout. So uh, it's great to be on with you guys face to face. And hopefully the next time we do this, we can actually do it in person, clink our glasses together, smoke a Ferriotego together, and... Uh, and look to better things in the future. But thank you so much for having me on, and thanks for doing all the great things you guys do for the business. It's just, it makes our industry a better industry. Michael Herklotz, ladies and gentlemen, don't go away. I'll talk to you after the show. Uh, guys, Wednesday night, uh, Flavor Odyssey returns. It's the second episode of season three. Robbie and Randy will be continuing their uh, journey into uh, the earthy flavors, right, Jordan? Earthy uh, that's flavors. right. And the pairing We've will be... We've done matcha tea, boys. Yeah, the pairing this week on, on Wednesday's Flavor Odyssey, actually next week, I suppose you should say, uh, is a Boulevardier with the Fratello Arlequin. What do you think of that, Jordan? I'm super stoked because the Boulevardier is my jam. That's, and that's a great cocktail. That's a great cocktail. Yeah, town. So two great, uh, two great items to pair together. We'll see how they do. Uh, four weeks of uh, earthy flavors is what we'll do. Uh, so Robbie and Randy will be doing that on Wednesday. I'm not exactly sure what we'll do next Friday night for Smoke Night Live because I just got back from vacation, so I'm trying to figure that out. But uh, this Sunday uh, at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Jordan and I will be guests on the Ask the Professor show. Uh, that's the uh, Fuente, the Arturo Fuente show. Jose Blanco, Arturo Fuente, all uh, Jeremy Merrifield will be on there. So so please tune into that on Sunday. Uh, as far as tonight goes, it's Friday night, and you guys know what happens on the Dojo Verse on Friday nights. Friday night herf. So share what you're drinking, share what you're smoking, do some now playing. We want to hear what you're listening to while you're smoking. We'll be hanging out here all night long on the Dojo Verse, uh, enjoying cigars with you guys. So we'll have some fun tonight. Until next week, remember never, never smoke, smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys on Wednesday for Flavor Odyssey. Is it fast? Oh, it's fast. What about the options? What about the options? It's got all the options. But, like, what about price? It's got to be expensive. Not expensive at all, man. JR's got the greatest deals on cigars and accessories. Check it out. Oh, wow. Look at these. Oh, look at that deal. It's a good price. What are you guys doing with my car? Your car? I thought this was your car. I thought it was your car. Why would it be my car? I don't know. It's not again. We'll get out, but I'm taking this with a JR on the go. No matter whose car you're in, JR Cigar is there for you.